0: Alright, so this is going to be loud, and it's a bit awkward because I'm talking to other people while staring at my friend. Wave hi, friend. She waved. Yes, it's a she. Those of you who are students, get over it. It's not what you think. And I was hoping that this would actually be less awkward, but apparently it's actually more awkward she's not even looking at me. (laughs) And Now we're laughing at each other. Alright, so I am going to ask you this, though. Which one do you want to start with, Stranger Things or The Baptist Sermon? Okay, so you asked me how Sombra was, right? It's like, what did you want to know about it? Oh, okay. So the sermon was on Isaiah 40, which is pretty well known, and it Talks. It's where we get actually some of the references to John the Baptist. You know, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. And the reason why I said it was a Baptist sermon was because it was basically, when life is in the valleys, here are three things to do. And the thing that frustrated me about that is that that passage isn't about that. And I had to step back for a second and remind myself that there were some good things to do. Like, okay, well, A, just stop speaking in metaphor. When life is in a valley, how about you just say when life sucks? Or when life is hard? Or when life is challenging? One of the cool things that was really smart in my head that I wrote down is something like when you live too often in metaphor, you actually lose sight of reality as it is, and you overcomplicate life. But be that aside, valleys, hard times, except for the fact that the only mention of a valley in that passage has nothing to do with that. So... I said, I had to remind myself that some of the cool things that were true was okay, when life is hard, what should you do? Well, recognize the sovereignty sovereignty and glory of God. All right, the passage just mentioned that. Or how about when life is hard, what should you do? You should consume God's word and rest on that because it's strong and never changing. Okay, the passage does end with that. The grass wither and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. See, this is why Princess Bride is required TV for basic living. Like, your right to life has been revoked if you have not seen The Princess Bride. He's like, Inigo Montoya so wisely said, I don't think that verse means what you think it means. So... The frustrating thing about this is that this passage is not easily applicable in the way that a standard Baptist sermon would want it to be. So a lot of Isaiah is broken up into basically two big sections, one through 39, and then 40 to the end. And this is the very beginning of chapter 40. Chapter 39 ends with um, a prophet saying to, or Isaiah, a prophet, saying to King Hezekiah, you're... I have to filter because students are going to listen to this. You're, a uh, something. Why did you show the Babylonians your storehouse? Now they're going to come. They're going to invade. Your own descendants are going to be taken off in chains. Jerusalem's going to fall. Judah's going to be non-existent. And Hezekiah's like, that's okay. I'm going to have peace in my days. This is how much I care about them. So it's basically the prophecy of the fall of Judah. And then the very next passage, comfort, comfort my people... For, you know, God will, God will come. Jerusalem will be okay. And the mention of a valley is, when you put it into context, the making straight a highway in the desert for our God. An analogy I used with Justin was, uh, it's like when Prince Ali came into Agrabah. Whenever somebody processes down, they use the big main thoroughfare, which is nice and level and very wide. And God, when He comes, is so big, so glorious, that to get across the nature of His grandeur, this clear, wide-level path can only be made when the mountains are brought low, the valleys are raised up, thus creating a nice, wide-level plain. It has nothing to do with the idea of valleys being hard or mountains being like mountaintop experiences. So the thing that frustrated me the most was even though it said true things, good and useful things, that just isn't what the passage says. And there is so much richness in just sitting with a passage for what it actually says, even if it's not the best passage to give a standard sermon, that it's just frustrating when people don't do that. But the point of the passage is that, let's say for the Christian, because the audience here is the people of Israel, the people of God. Let's say that when a Christian finds himself, to live in a metaphor, in an exile, let's say that he or she recognizes that he has sinned and is under the discipline of God, like Judah was. God will come to redeem And that God, when He redeems, is so glorious, so steadfast, that that in and of itself just has to be like jaw dropping and. I'm making a face for those of you who can't see. And so to take it to how the passage ends the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Well, what word? Well, all of scripture, because it's God's love letter to us, which is actually a phrase that was used in the sermon. I didn't think anybody actually said that anymore. I thought we'd matured. Apparently not. No. When they wrote word, they meant something specific, as in the Ten Commandments, which are referred to as the Decalogue, or the Ten Words, actually, in Exodus 20 those stand firm forever. I'm actually convinced that those are the law that Jesus came and fulfilled and did not negate. The law which is actually still in effect. But then I started thinking, hold on, that doesn't quite gel with what the passage is talking about either. So then I went back and I found somewhere, Leviticus, I think, I don't know, I googled it. But God says that when the people of Israel sin, He will, you know, chastise them. But eventually, if they recognize their sin and turn back, He will come to them. He will be their God. That is an established, firm promise. A word spoken by God. So at the risk of maybe not quite fully getting the passage, the grass wither and the flower fades, human glory is like the grass... Circumstances will change. The human condition on the ground is not constant. People can stand firm and people can falter. But what will not change? The promises of God. Either His law in the Ten Commandments or in His promise to be the God of the people who seek Him. That is what we get from that passage. And that's enough. To just sit there and remember that. And to let that convict us. To let that take us into considerations of what our life is actually like right now. Where are we before God? It's very sobering. And it doesn't need any kind of oversimplified, reductionistic when life is in a valley do these three things so that's why I say it was a Baptist sermon if ever I heard one which gave some very good and true things but completely missed the point of the text so there Stranger Things? Alright, that's gonna be the, that's gonna be
1: the next one then.